0: and it's everything you need to make a quality podcast all in one place. So what are you waiting for? Download the free Anchor app or visit anchor.fm to get started. Violet Neando is an agricultural innovation expert With over 15 years of experience in agribusiness advisory services and agricultural rural innovation studies with a particular interest in youth entrepreneurship, governance, and leadership of agri-enterprises, her experience in Kenya and Eastern Africa, and engagement with international development practitioners across the world has earned her a deeper understanding of the African agricultural and community landscape. Violet, welcome to the show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of the podcast. Before I get into the interview with our guest, Violet Nyondo, I would like to shout out Endgame, the strategy company in Abuja, Nigeria. Endgame is an integrated strategy, technology, marketing, and creative agency that has been a great friend to the podcast. If you are looking for a strategy and marketing company to help with your business, check them out at endgamehq.com. Violet, welcome to the show.
1: So Thank for you all so of much, our,
0: Michelle. You are so welcome. So Violet, let me just tell our listeners that I w- I met you because we were both on a webinar and you were a panelist on that webinar. And I think the webinar was about It's something youth-related, youth in agriculture, and you will remember that more clearly than I do in terms of what the topic of the webinar was, but I remembered hearing you speak, and immediately I was like, yes to everything that lady just said, (laughs) and I'm like... I need to know her and I ran over to LinkedIn, I looked you up and I connected with you and that was just a wonderful connection and here you are on this podcast and I couldn't be more thrilled to have you. So Violet, how about you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners by telling us your background in agribusiness advisory services.
1: Thank you so much, uh, Michelle. That is so sweet and kind of you. Um, Indeed, it was an honor when you just followed up uh, to link up with me. Uh, To our listeners, as my dear friend, colleague and sister, Michelle has introduced me, my name is Violet Nyando. I am a Kenyan, Uh, I live in Nairobi and I work in the agricultural space, particularly uh, with a focus on agribusiness and uh, uh, when it comes to my educational background i'm an agricultural innovation expert uh, more or less uh, with a background training in agricultural innovation studies i have had an opportunity to work uh, in various uh, organizations um, an opportunity that has allowed me to gain experience on issues around agricultural innovations uh, issues around climate smart agriculture uh, a lot of agriculture policy uh, related work, institutional development and uh, strengthening, uh, particularly for small and medium enterprises and farmer organizations. I've also um, worked in this space uh, on offering agricultural advisory and extension, uh, particularly along uh, specific agricultural product uh, value chain And uh, I developed an interest in youth-related issues and therefore part of uh, what I'm currently doing a lot is engaging with the youth, especially those in the small and medium uh, enterprises, uh, those who are doing um, uh, production, those who are doing processing, those who are even engaged in service provision along the agricultural product uh, value chain. So indeed, it is an honor, Michelle, to be with you And uh, I can't wait to also learn from you, even as we continue to engage on what I have been able to do in the space of agricultural, um, more or less agribusiness advisory service provision. Maybe a little bit of uh, my experience. Uh, I started working with um, agribusiness, in the agribusiness space uh, way back in 2003. Uh, when I joined the Kenya National Farmers Organization uh, and this is an umbrella organization in Kenya that deals with farmers and these farmers are drawn from across uh, the the various value chains and one of the key focus areas, or rather one of the strategic pillars that we were focusing on was how do we also ensure that we incorporate women and the youth so that they they engage in meaningful agribusiness along the various uh, value chains. And then from there, I had an opportunity to uh, really engage by way of offering training, uh, mentorship, and coaching uh, in agribusiness, uh, and also uh, engaging uh, with the the women and the youth and the farmers whom we were working with on policy-related issues, particularly on advocacy, and, and, and lobbying so that we contributed towards creating an enabling environment for doing agribusiness. And then from there, I moved uh, to another organization. Now, this one was not a national organization like the Kenya National Farmers uh, Federation. Uh, this one is now a regional organization. Uh, it's called the Eastern Africa Grain Council. Just as the name suggests, uh, the main focus was grain, uh, production and marketing. Being an Eastern African regional organization, we are working with farmers across the bigger Eastern Africa region, so Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, South uh, Sudan, Ethiopia, uh, Burundi, Rwanda, DRC, Congo, um, and also uh, Malawi. So I have had an opportunity during the time I was working with this organization to just uh, also train um, small and medium enterprises on uh, strategic business planning. We were looking um, at uh, training our SMEs on uh, agribusiness financial management, and also dealing with grains, uh, issues around post-harvest handling and management was very key, including warehousing uh, uh, processes. And therefore, I had an opportunity to really work in this space and just engage with um, a lot of SMEs who are doing a lot uh, in in, in terms of just contributing to the economic growth in these countries and also sustaining their livelihoods. So, Michelle, I know as we continue to engage, uh, we can get to know each other more, uh, even as we continue to exchange experiences.
0: One of the things I want to really get into is around youth employment and youth entrepreneurship, because as we know, 60% of African youth are unemployed, or at least that's the statistic that's out there. And entrepreneurship is sort of being billed as the new development paradigm in Africa. And it is being largely promoted as a means to address the youth bulge. Now, what are your thoughts on the current youth entrepreneurship promotion model? based on your work and experience? And does that work or doesn't it work? What are your thoughts?
1: Thank you so much, uh, Michelle, for that question. Maybe to start off, um, we have to appreciate, and especially I'm talking in the context of um, the African continent and uh, more specifically in Kenya now, where I live and I've had most of my working experience in. Now, when it comes to youth and employment, it's not an issue that is just affecting the developing countries only. We're also seeing the same uh, challenge uh, facing even the developed countries because then we have this huge population of young people who are out there and most of them uh, do not get an opportunity to be absorbed into the formal employment sector. And we're not talking about youth who are not learned, including those ones who have gone even through, uh, you know, university education, once they finish uh, college, they are out there. So we have both the educated and can I call them uneducated youth who are faced with this unemployment challenge out there. And the reason being, again, uh, the economies um, Like right now, already uh, COVID-19 has presented unprecedented challenges that were not foreseen. So already adding to what was a precarious condition in terms of youth unemployment, especially if you look at the period between 2008 to where we are, from the time we started to experience the economic uh, crisis uh, from 2008 and therefore we have this large population of the youth who are out there and they cannot get formal employment and therefore that provides a window and an opportunity to think entrepreneurship that not only will it create uh, jobs for the youth but uh, for for the youth to be self-employed, but it is also going to create an opportunity for those youth who are self-employed to create jobs for other youth uh, to also uh, participate in meaningful um, and gainful employment along the the value chain. So indeed, it is a challenge that is facing uh, many countries, and therefore, as you have. Uh, Rightly put it, entrepreneurship is one of those uh, opportunities where youth can really uh, step up and uh, get involved in, in the process of making, uh, you know, a livelihood out of uh, the process of entrepreneurship. And indeed, I want to join um, uh, the, 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 the development partners and practitioners like me who are pushing for youth entrepreneurship. And one of the areas where we see a lot of potential is in the agricultural sector. Almost 80% plus uh, of the African continent, uh, our main livelihood is in the agricultural sector. And therefore, it becomes the prime sector that has an opportunity to also provide means of survival not only for the youth, but for the entire continent and therefore when i look at youth entrepreneurship i'm looking at the opportunities that are available within the agricultural sector where the youth who have who have come out of uh, who have come out of uh, the education system can get opportunities and also those ones who have not been able to go through the formal system of training can actually tap into the opportunities that are available so your question around this was um What kind of um, model are working uh, right now when it comes to the youth? And I have a couple of ideas around this. All right. So, um, yeah, so um, I, I have a couple of ideas and I've seen them happening in my country. I mean, I'll just uh, maybe go straight to the specific examples, but these are models that I'm actually seeing working. One of the model we talked about is youth coming together, either as a network or as a, an association and where they raise resources together and they're able to borrow from one another because then from there, they're the ones who are putting up systems on how they are going to loan each other in terms of offering credit facilities and even agreeing on the percentage interest rate that a member of that particular network or association can pay back the money. That is one way of raising funds uh, to run uh, youth uh, businesses. But of course, we know what comes along with uh, with group formations, the dynamics. But I'm looking at those who have deliberately come together because they want to improve their businesses and therefore they are contributing resources towards that so that's one model another model that i want to talk about is that i know governments right now when it comes to youth agenda it is a global agenda at the african union i know they talk about it at the uh, at the uh, at the European Union they're talking about it, at the United Nations they're talking about it, so it's an agenda and it is one of those things that is um, um, a part of uh, our SGDs even as we as we continue to, uh, to think about them and therefore we have governments are now coming up with program-based funding that clearly targets the, the youth and therefore, these programs, since they are being run by government, it is up to us who are in this development space to make sure that alongside such programs, I know we have declared funds, and therefore, youth can actually access these particular funds. Again, as we mentioned, this is in, uh, information that needs to go out to them. Uh, so, investing in the process of creating awareness and also making sure that the youth are networked to the right. Um, uh, ministries or agencies where they can now access this particular uh, funding their program based uh, funding and therefore that's also another model that can provide funding for the youth three. We have a model where we have uh, some development partners, I know I used to work with the, an organization where global communities came in to support the SMEs, particularly the youth through a cost sharing model where you have your business idea and you need, uh, let's say a certain level of funding to scale it up. And therefore the organization was not giving you 100%. The model worked in such a way that they provide technical assistance in terms of training and capacity building and mentorship. And therefore whatever funding you need, you have to meet it halfway. So they give you 50% and you contribute 50%. So instead of you pumping the 100% uh, a percent into the business which you do not have they meet you halfway and therefore they're able to support you to get uh, that particular funding to uh, scale out your your business and remember it, it came as a bundled service it had mentorship training um and and, and technical assistance and now together with them cost sharing uh, funding number three or number four i think it's number four uh i know right now commercial banks. Um, and other financial institutions are trying to come up with innovative products and services, targeting uh, specific uh, niches in the industry. And one of the niches that they're targeting is entrepreneurship. And now that the youth are coming up, they're now developing customized uh, credit facilities that will target the youth. And now with a better understanding, especially in the agricultural sector, knowing that is a sector that is seasonal and therefore even the loan are designed in such a way that they can take care of that seasonality in terms of repayment. You know, you cannot match a normal loan, let's say for a person who is running a retail business and a person who is doing agriculture because one, is season-based, the other one is like on a daily basis, they're able to sell. And therefore, what the banks are trying to do is how do we make a product that will suit the agricultural sector and particularly target the youth who are now running small and medium uh, enterprises. Uh, Number five, we have also uh, organizations like IFAD, like AGRA, like uh, GIZ, uh, the Germany Development Agency, they have now come up with innovation uh, funds. They have come up with innovation funds and these innovation funds, they are set aside to help particularly startup businesses that have innovative ideas that need to be uh, grown uh, before it can come to complete, uh, let's say to, uh, to, to, to commercialization level. So they're able to nurture such businesses through an incubation process, um, and therefore these funds go into helping uh, such startups, to, you know, to just uh, try out and experiment the innovative ideas before they can actually move into commercialization, and therefore. That particular funding, the innovation funding, is also contributing into supporting uh, youth entrepreneurship. And over and above that, I know it is not always about just providing the finances. We have institutions and organizations that are dedicated to providing advisory and extension services. And therefore through such uh, youth have been able to be trained on financial literacy, in terms of financial management, in terms of you know building a business, being strategic when it comes to planning and executing the business ideas. Again, they're also contributing towards making you know, the youth entrepreneurship become sustainable and grow and become uh, bigger. So I felt those are some of the uh, ideas um, that we can work around. It's a matter of understanding the context where you are. And remember again, we are not putting youth in one blanket uniform category. We, we know the, the challenges facing the youth who are, who are women and the, the youth who are men are different. Again, looking at those cohorts, how then do we develop uh, you know uh, uh, services and products that are not homogeneous uh, because the youth are not homogeneous? So then how do we address those specific unique felt needs across the, 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 you know, the, the, the cohort groups that we have amongst the youth. So for me, I think those are some of the areas and uh, models that we can work around, uh, depending on the context where we are, and try to see how best can the youth be supported in accessing uh, funding and, uh, and, and, and technical capacity to run a successful, profitable, and sustainable business. So wow. I think, yeah.
0: Well, thank you for that, Violet.
1: If you look at those who have been in the, let's say in, in, in the education system and they got an opportunity to be attached in an, a functioning industry sector, like for example, maybe during the attachment, they were able to go into agro processing or they were able to be attached into a firm that is offering advisory services and extension. You realize when they come out of college and they have that passion, Then they're able to pursue that particular line of interest. And therefore, they're able to come up with business ideas and maybe want to go into processing. Or if you are attached to a firm which was offering advisory services, then you find that they will try to grow passion towards uh, becoming consultants so that they can offer training and capacity building and mentorship along those lines. We also have models where as, uh, as, as a country like, for example, my country, Kenya, the government has developed um, specific programs that target the youth. And they're within the mainstream of government interventions when it comes to economic development in the country. So we have programs uh, like the uh, youth uh, e- e- empowerment program. We have youth employment, enterprise development uh, funds. We have funds like of funds. of funds means facilitating somebody to, to do business. And therefore we have such a program-based Uh, kind of uh, opportunities that create entrepreneur, uh, that creates business opportunities where now the youth can identify and become uh, and pick an entrepreneurial line along those programs. We also have development partners who are currently working with um, selected groups of youth uh, and they have uh, based on their vision and based on their objectives, They have components that try to focus on the youth and especially those who are already running small and medium business enterprises, where they come and support them either to scale up their businesses or if they're starting up, they have programs like training and capacity enhancement, including mentorship, where they help them to gain, you know, to enhance their capacity so that they can now grow and become profitable and also uh, sustainable. We also have um, programs where, um, these are not really government driven programs or development partner driven programs, but these are programs where the youth will come together, either because they are in the same community or they were schooling together in college. When they come out, they decide to form a group, an association, and you know pursue a business idea that they believe uh, is going to uh, help them you know improve their they, improve their livelihoods and also provide for them income. So we have several models that. Uh, that are happening around youth entrepreneurship, and each one of them has got its own strength and its own weaknesses. So when it comes to, are they working or are they not working? It depends on how the business idea has been mooted because you may be having a good business idea, but if you don't have supportive institutions, then that business idea is likely to Uh, to fail, not because it's not a good idea. So again, as I've I've, I've mentioned, each one of them has got its own strength and its own weaknesses. And from where I sit, each model can successfully be sustained as long as other functional Other functional or support systems are put in place like good governance, um, maybe uh, accessing finances, accessing additional technical know-how and skills and competences, such kind of uh, models can really be grown and become uh, successful. So again, it depends on who is sitting on the driving seat when it comes to running these uh, businesses for the youth or rather the, the, the enterprises that the youth have started
0: Thanks for that, Violet. And and that leads me into my next round of questions. So because this show is called Where's the Funding? My next question is going to be around access to finding capital, either to start or scale a business. Because I hear that as a big complaint often from youth entrepreneurs. Oh, we don't have access to funding because we all know it's one thing to provide skills trainings and things of that nature and like, okay, go off and be an entrepreneur. But we know that that's not very, that's not very likely in the absence of all the other things as you're aware, such as access to funding, access to business development services, and other technical trainings that might be needed depending on the type of business that these entrepreneurs are, are pursuing So let's start with with capital um, to start and scale, and let's move our way through some of the other questions. So where's the funding for these young entrepreneurs, particularly the ones in Kenya, because that's what you can speak to and and what you know about access to funding for youth entrepreneurs in Kenya. Where are the different sources and how do young people access that?
1: Thank you so much, Michelle, for that question. Um, where is the funding for our youth entrepreneurs? Indeed, uh, when it comes to access to finance, it, is, it has been and it still is a big challenge uh, and particularly for the youth uh, who have these business ideas and they want to grow them and commercialize them so that they become profitable. And again, you and I know from where we sit, a business is a venture that you do not start on a monday and you expect to get you know returns on a friday it has it, it, it is a growth process it is a process it's not a happening and therefore even for the big and powerful successful businesses that we see around the big corporate uh, companies that we see around they started from somewhere and it took them a period of time before they could realize you know or even break even and now start and the, the graph start growing up in terms of now making profits from the business and therefore it becomes very critical during that period when you're starting up a business up to the point where you reach break breakeven uh, stage and now you start uh, going up in terms of, uh, of making profits and therefore for our youth it becomes even uh, a double tragedy because First of all, I wanted to address
0: it. that, Violet. I, I don't mean to, to interrupt you, but I, yes. I want to ask this question. How yes. reasonable is the timeline? What are, are, yes. are they Are reasonable expectations being yes. sort of accurately painted for a lot of these youths that are being introduced to entrepreneurship in terms of the timeline, what it requires, what has to be put in, like, because it's a, it's a growth process. At each phase of your business, you need to know different skills and have different capabilities. So it's a, it's a consistent process of learning and growing. So how reasonable is the, is the picture? How much demystification is being provided in the process of, of giving sort of youth entrepreneurship training? Because I, I get the sense of a lot of, the frustrations come because there isn't an adequate level setting of expectation around Mm -hmm. what's really required and what's the real timeline. Because oftentimes we see companies that look like they're an overnight success, but overnight successes take about 10 years. So, you know, to like be really, really successful. So how are these young people given a walkthrough and are they given a real accurate walkthrough about, what the real timeline is, how long it takes, how many seeds have to be planted before they can be reaped. And that funding and access to funding, depending on where you are in your business and where you're trying to go, actually takes time. Yeah. So I think that was a mouthful. So I'll give you an opportunity <laughs> to digest and, and pick at yeah. it.
1: And and I like the fact that you have brought that one out. And I think one of the reasons uh, we we clicked with you during the webinar, that is one of the issues I was trying to raise. When it comes to communication, what are we communicating? Because um, a a lot of the time, and most often you'll find that we, we talk about the what. This is the profit I have made. This is uh, the success I'm seeing right now, but hidden behind the profits that you are telling us in this beautiful successful story, um, hidden behind is the process. And that's where the lessons are, the how. Many a times when it comes to communication, we realize that um, there's a lot of communication, a lot of information, a lot of knowledge out there, either via our social media or our internet or even just you know our mobile phones, we're able to just, you know, you get an SMS, is a short message telling you, hey, I started like this, now I'm making so much money. But what that message does not tell us is the how, the pain points along the way. Up to the point where now whatever is being communicated as profit or as a successful business is. And this has always been my um, an issue. And again, we have to appreciate, Michelle, you and I, we are growing in this generation where I like calling ourselves the instant coffee generation. We don't want to go through pain. You want to start today and you want to see results today, today, today. We are not patient enough to learn. We are not patient enough to take all the, you know, we are not patient to to, to take all the checklist. We are not patient. We are the instant coffee type of a generation. I hear an idea on television, so-and-so is making billions of profits, and I jump into it. I don't even want to start asking questions. So I just get the tips of, What could have happened for this person to be where they are? And many a times, in fact, in Africa and in Kenya, they say most businesses, especially the small and medium enterprises, they die within the first two years. They don't get to celebrate their third birthday or their third anniversary. Why? Because the foundation upon which they were established was not strong enough. Because I'll use an example of uh, like in Kenya, a youth group will come together and they have this brilliant idea, and indeed, it is very successful. We, uh, what I have noticed is that um, a lot of interrogation uh, is not done around the business idea.
0: I find I find that as well, and I'm glad yes, you are yes. this. You never have like a vision. Need, there's a strong yes. better business. <laughs> yeah, so we
1: never idea. Yes, we never give ourselves like okay. This is a business idea, and and I like uh, the writer who says you need to have the end in mind even as you start the business. Hey, so you're saying, Violet. see, this is why I like you
0: because. <laughs> I'm yeah. always telling people, lead with your destination. Yes. Lead with your destination. Like where yes. is this thing going? How yes. far do you see it going? And one of my things is also that, and, 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 I, and I get how it can be difficult when you're talking to people who lack resources and, and are really looking to generate yeah. income to sustain their livelihoods. But there, there are different categories of business. There are businesses yeah. that are created out of need to sustain a livelihood, livelihood-based businesses. Yes. And then there are businesses that are created because they're, they're, they're providing value to a yes. large number of people. And these are yes. the that tend to be the ones that are more scalable sometimes because they're looking at problem-solving. And the problem that they're solving isn't just the immediate need for an income to buy food to eat. They're looking at solving a much bigger problem. And so understanding what's the root of this business idea, is it it the root of it? And not that a business idea that is rooted in sort of um, sustaining a livelihood cannot um, scale, absolutely not what I'm saying but to make sure that it's been interrogated to really understand what's the long-term potential of the idea exactly you to continue
1: no it's okay. it's true it's true so you you will find that because you did have the end in mind when you were thinking of this business idea it then means you are running a business that is visionless you don't have a vision because the question is where do you see this business in 10 years to come and when you interrogate that and it is a thought process you ask a lot of questions because we are living in a society that is very super dynamic what is relevant today what the customer requires today unfortunately might not be what they will require six months down the line with technology coming in as you know, fast and furious, things are changing. Take the example of the computers, where we started from. You know, the big frames, when you read about computers, they, t- they will tell you that, that, that our fathers, they'll tell you they used to go and do their research on some cards, and they had this big mainframe computer somewhere in a room where you had to book an appointment. I don't know for you to use it because you have so many students who need it. Now we moved from that when we came to desktops. And then you realize you cannot be moving around with a desktop. Then the versions have been going, you know, uh, have been getting better and better and better. And right now we can talk with you through the phone, through a small laptop that is portable. And, and that's how we should see businesses growing in a system that is very super dynamic, changing every day. And therefore, when you give yourself... Um, You know, you give yourself time to think through the process and you ask yourself. In fact, you have to start anticipating the problems that will face the people, the target market, yeah, your customers. You start anticipating the kind of challenges they are going to face in the year 2050, even if you have not reached there yourself, because you are solving a need as it arises. And therefore, many a times you find that uh, as is youth, we never take an opportunity and time to just think through the process and see how, how, how are we going to ensure that we remain relevant. And remember, Michelle, when you start a good business idea, a competitor is next to you. It could be your own mother, your sister, your aunt. If they see you making an extra coin through a business, everybody wants to go there. Yeah, because- So, so how do exactly you remain?
0: Exactly. Yeah. because if you're doing something well, you have yeah. to expect that other people are going to try and replicate. So what happens? Yeah, what happens uh, when when
1: that when the competition gets into the space? Then it means you have to remain unique. You have to make sure that you are selling. You, you have a unique selling point above your competitors, and that's where now the visioning and the, the thought process and the innovations uh, come in. So if we don't give ourselves, uh, you know, that time to think through an idea. You find that when the competition comes in and remember a competitor will try to be better than you. So if a competitor comes in and they become better than you and you refuse to be innovative, what will happen? They will kick you out of the market because now they'll be better than you. And remember the original idea was yours. You are the one who muted it. So you can actually anticipate and see As the market is growing, as these changes are happening, this is the kind of challenges and and, and solutions that I should be providing in anticipation as we move forward. And you'll find big companies, uh, that is what they do. Every day, they are collecting that, in fact, they have invested so much in customer customer feedback. Customer relations management. Exactly. In fact, they have moved from customer relations. Now they talk about customer experience management. You know, experience is beyond relations. Relations, I'll call you, Michelle, I sold you a pen. Did you like it? When you say you liked it, i thank you so much. I hope you come uh, back again. Experience goes beyond that. I'll call you and ask you, do you like that pen? Yes. What is good about that pen? Do you think there's something that we need to do to improve on the pen? And by the way, we are working on another model, which I believe when you it next time I want you to try it out now that is customer experience you hook Michelle Michelle will never go anywhere else
0: but Violet Violet, yeah we're talking about the African continent and both of you know that customer service is far 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 from where it should be yes an art that has not made its way into a lot of the the business and service processes. Exactly. So how do we get from where things are to where it should be? Because we all know you can go to a restaurant and sit there for an hour before you even get your meal. That's not an experience that anyone goes to a restaurant for because when you get there, you're already hungry, right? And that sort of, so how do we sort of get that level of, Information to people about the customer experience and how important that is because one of the messages that I'm trying to get out as people, you know, concern themselves more and more with trying to find funding funding is nice, but depending on the type of business that you have, your customers are even better. Put even more effort into finding customers than into finding funding because your customers are your investors. Exactly. have a product that you can get to market very relatively easy and you have yeah. customers, you are doing well if you are managing yes. your cash flow so that you can, you know, use organic funding from your business to continue to grow um, incrementally. Now, this is probably not going to give you the large growth that you might want from a large influx of external capital but yeah. it is a way in an environment where you might not have access to to large external yeah. amounts of um, large amounts of external capital to continue to grow but then you have to be able to do that you have to know how to sufficiently deliver a customer experience so that you can find a customer and keep that customer and make that customer loyal So that even if you put out another product, that customer is like, okay, I like the experience of doing business with this company. I'll buy whatever they put out.
1: Yeah, apart from even being your investment, a satisfied customer is your advertisement. If your customer is satisfied, you don't have to spend money even doing a lot of marketing. 90% of your marketing will be done by your satisfied customer. Now, I like the idea that... um, You know, sometimes it's it's good to be in that uncomfortable state until you wake up, yeah? Now, what is happening uh, right now, uh, and I think it's across Africa, is that when you refuse to accept change, change will find you, and it will baptize you by force, by fire to change. Why am I saying so? Now, the developed countries, the entrepreneurs in developed countries who have now these chain businesses, they are coming to set them In Africa, so what happens you with your little business there you realize a big brother has come one, they have the resources, they have the technology, they have the innovations. And they have the customer experience that you don't have and because you have passion in this business, what will happen, you have no choice but to go out there and make sure you enhance also your capacities and i like that competition because those who are passionate about running businesses they have gone an extra mile and they are matching the services of the big brothers who are now here and offering a customer experience that is wowing customers and retaining them two because of that demand because the moment you realize the customer the market niche that you had carved for yourself, you are losing it to a competitor. You won't just go to sleep and feel comfortable because then you will close your business. So what happens? It means then you need to go out and try to enhance and build your, you, you, you have to build the way you deliver services to your, to your customer. So for me, it's good to have some of these challenges because out of them, you are provoked to wake up and try to improve on them. And we are not talking about people who are doing, you know, business for the sake of doing business. We are talking about an entrepreneur. An entrepreneur is a person who has seen there is a gap that needs to be addressed. Now, those are the people who have a hunger to know more. Those are people who will go an extra mile to get an innovation to and improve their business. Those are people who will go out there and keep on improving their technical skills, improve their competences in order to do that. And and I like the idea that we are moving from a point where we used to be donor dependent to a point where we are, you know, where you expect to be given, to a point where now we are shifting to a mutually beneficial kind of a partnership. Now what the youth are doing like in my country, we realize the donor funding is shrinking and it is across the globe. It's not just in Africa. So what happens? You have to continue feeding. You have to continue going to school. You have, I mean, lives have to continue. So what is happening is that the youth have realized if I go alone, I may not be able to raise resources. I have seen this model is now working. They come together and they bring resources together. So they mobilize resources by contributing either through shares or whatever name they want to call that, and they're able to come up with this pool, this kitty, where they can borrow loans to run their individual businesses. And therefore, they're able to set interest rates that are affordable and manageable amongst them. Now, development partners have now come up with a model where I'm going to invest in this because it is mutually beneficial, either as a social enterprise or As a development partner, I'm able to support this process and the products that are coming out of this process can be sold to my country or to another group of farmers or another group of people whom I'm working with somewhere else. And therefore it becomes like an exchange process. That is also another model that is working. Now the government also are coming coming up with strategies to support the youth. And therefore they have declared funds that they can give to the youth their businesses and therefore for me that's also another model that can be sustainable so there are several models that um, that are coming out and I believe uh, is a matter of just looking at the context and uh, trying to see how best can we support uh, that particular uh, uh, process
0: so violet I received some feedback from a podcast listener who's an unsp- and aspiring youth entrepreneur and he listed a number of challenges and pain points beyond funding um, that that he has and i'm wondering if you can provide some advice to this person or all the other persons out there who have similar challenges um around discouragement what what advice would you give
1: okay Discouragement. When it comes to business, you expect to be discouraged, not once, not twice, a hundred times. And every time you fall, you have to wake up and try again. As I said, uh, it, it is just having the end in mind when you are mooting a business idea so that you are able to anticipate what are some of the challenges uh, you will meet along the way as you continue, you're not doing your business. You know, sometimes when you have a good idea on a piece of paper, it's totally different uh, from when you want to apply it. And I'll give you an example. Um, you know, when you are sitting in a class, let's say I call you for a training for three days and I'm taking you through the process of how to write a wonderful business um, or rather a, a wonderful strategic business uh, plan. When you are seated in a class and you're a group of people, of course you're discussing, I can even put you in a groups and you're discussing and you're able to present and it will look wonderful when you are doing it as a group. Now, where the rubber meets the road is when now, Michelle, you go back to your business and I want you to do a strategic plan for your business and I want you to implement it. And that's why during the webinar, I was very categorical and I, mention this over and over again it is just not enough to give somebody that particular theory some are lucky once they get the theory and maybe with a little bit of experience they'll be able to implement it but majority of them when they are now alone in their small business leave alone the group training you know that you're feeling comfortable you are in a group you are in a mass you are in a crowd but now when you come home and you really want to it into practice in your own business, many a times you find that it becomes a challenge. There are a few things that you never anticipated, and here they are. And therefore, I was very keen to mention that such kind of young entrepreneurs who are just starting up, they need mentorship, somebody to handhold them so that step by step they are able to implement this particular. Uh, theory that they have learned in class. And, and sometimes, an Violet, it, it might yes. go
0: beyond just um, mentorship. One of the guests yeah. that I've already um, interviewed for the podcast talks about, so he has, he runs a a, a a hub program and what they do with the the people who participate in their hub is that they actually provide embedded support into those business. So somebody who is devoted to helping that entrepreneur for a period of time go through certain processes and figure out how to do it. Because with a mentor, you know, that person is not there in the business with you or is yeah. fully available to you in the business for day-to-day things because they're often busy doing other things and probably have 10 or 15 other mentees. Right. But having someone in your business that is sort of embedded as an advisor in your business is a whole other level of support that goes even yes. beyond mentorship, as great as mentorship is.
1: Yes. And in fact, I was coming to that. I wanted to add that, and I'm glad you have mentioned it goes beyond um, mentorship because. This is a person, uh, and and what is happening, and I like because now we have even those agribusiness hubs where, apart from just receiving the theory training and having somebody mentoring you, we have now these agribusiness hubs where you can actually go and try more of your idea before you go and actualize it, uh, you know, in real in real life, yeah, and therefore uh, it is. It, it is a, a suit of um, support services that really goes into this to enable and particularly the startups to really pick up because what is key is the foundation, you know, for, re- for them to really build up this foundation upon which now they can start growing their businesses. If you don't have this proper foundation, then it becomes a challenge. And um, so, when it comes to discouragement, indeed it is there. And discouragement will come in so many different forms. One, not only the fact that you are not able to draw your own strategic plan and implement it. There are certain, and this one I'm speaking from experience, like in Kenya, you'll find that most of our youth, they do not understand all the, all the policy and legal frameworks around running a business.
0: And therefore Ooh, that gets you, me to my next question Violet. Yes. So, lack <laughs> of yeah. sufficient information on how to run. Exactly.
1: A exactly. And I'll give you an example and this one is my own brother. So he wanted to run this small retail shop and then he went around asking others who were running businesses and they told him oh all you need is a, a public public health certificate and you need a business permit um, and, and, and and a license and you're good to go. Now, When my brother got the, 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 the building where he wanted to put a business, of course, he had some capital. He went and got the stock and he came in and he put up the stock. Now things like, hey, you need to start filing returns, something he had not anticipated now started coming in. The National Environmental Management Authority was very keen to know how are you going to dispose anything that is maybe expired from this shop and what have you, it comes with a cost. And then there were other things like, um, you know, says you are moving goods from one point of the county to another point of the county. We have this says that you need to pay and what have you. And he realized there is so much. In fact, what he was told was just the tip of the iceberg the bigger iceberg was under the water
0: so what and, happened- and, and, and 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 i'm glad you say that because that goes back to the question i asked previously about how how clearly are the real expectations that are being set in terms yeah. of what is actually required the demystification exactly. because you know he got sold the rosy version oh you only need exactly things to get started and you're good to go and remember
1: this deal stop He's dealing with stock. Nobody told him about, uh, you know, putting a fire extinguisher somewhere in a corner. And remember, he needs to have that. He needs to provide security. He needs to provide, um, there was another certificate on um, food uh, quality because he's dealing with food. He needed to get another, so there were like 20 different kind of uh, regulatory uh, requirements that he needed to fulfill. And each one of them had a cost implication. Now you see, this is something he had not anticipated from the beginning. So what happens? Frustration will set in, you'll be depressed because now you realize for you to establish the business, it is eating almost all the initial capital you had for your stock. So because you had not prepared for it, you had not anticipated that you are forced out of business because of those circumstances, just before you even start crawling as a business, you are still at infancy stage, already such kind of things, you know, um, uh, uh, discourage you and you are out of business. So. One of the things that we are trying to do, even where I'm currently working, is asking ourselves, before we advise our members, I'm I'm, I'm currently working with the CEDA Growers Association, which is a member-based organization. So before we even advise somebody to go into this business, we are trying as much as possible to dig out all the requirements. We may not be at 100%, but we want to come up with a checklist of all the requirements that one needs with, with the, Estimated costs of each of those uh, services in terms of acquiring and putting them in place. So that when I'm advising Michelle, who is new in this business and is, is she wants to do agro processing or she wants to go into logistics or she wants to do marketing, I tell you before you do this, remember these are the initial costs in terms of uh, you know, startup that you need to have in place. So yes, um, information is out there, but it has never been sufficient. But right now, we are trying—not um, just my organization, but also other organizations—trying to come up with um, checklists that they can use uh, to, you know, to record all the requirements and then share with those who are potential entrepreneurs who want to plunge into this uh, particular sector.
0: So yes. So now, Violet, let's get into. Um... What about find, figuring out what is the right market to get in and getting the right team? Because yes. entrepreneurship, even it's not, it's not a one man or a one woman thing. You might yeah. start that way, but in order to scale and grow, you have to invite other people along on the journey to provide you with the support that you need. So yes. Yes. what advice do you have to give around finding the right market and finding the right and putting together the right team? Because on yeah. the team part is where I find that a lot of young entrepreneurs will struggle in terms of um, figuring out who to hire, how to hire, and, and how to lead, right? Yeah. Because yeah. an entrepreneur as as Timidaya Adebayo says um in one of the previous episodes that entrepreneurship is leadership, right? Yeah. And a lot of them have never had a real leadership position before they became the leader of this business that's now starting to take off and grow and they have to hire people and lead them. And I feel like that's where a lot of people falter. So I would appreciate any advice that you have to give on finding the right market and choosing a team.
1: Fantastic. I always like using this analog, even God himself, the most powerful God that we serve. He worked in Trinity, Him, the Son and the Holy Spirit. If God, the most powerful appreciates network and partnerships, who are we? We need to have the right people in the right place at the right time. It just comes back, uh, uh, Michelle, to what we were talking about. What is the preliminary um, analysis we have done before we start a business, because when you do your preliminaries, then you're able to know. I'm um, target. For I'll use an example of I want to be um, an agro processor, producing this particular product, targeting this particular market. First of all, I want to find out is that market ready for my product. Number two, I don't own logistics uh, company. That product is at point eight, needs to go to point B. <coughs> Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, so you have a product at point eight, needs to go to point B. So I need to understand what are the logistics. I mean, I need to manage this supply chain. Number two, if I'm doing processing, that product needs to be packaged who is doing packaging? I need to find out who in the industry is doing packaging. Sorry, I have a dry cough. eh? I hope it's not Corona. Yeah, so- I hope so too. (laughs) Thank God you're on the other side of of the conversation. Will you allow me a minute, I just pick a glass of water?
0: Sure, absolutely, go ahead.
1: Sorry, girl, for that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so uh, as I was saying, it boils down to what are the preliminary um, analysis, um, what did you do as your initial preliminary analysis of the market before you actually plunged into this business? Because once you have that out, that one mapped out, then Michelle, you're able to say, for me to effectively do this agro processing business. I need a logistics person. I need a person who will supply me packaging material. I need a person who will do the marketing for me. I need the proper technology and innovation in place. And over and above that, not all of us are accountants. We are not trained to be financial managers. And you are running a business where you are putting your money. I need to invest as the leader. You have mentioned entrepreneurship is about leadership. I need to invest as a leader in a process of understanding financial management, even at the basic level. So that if, I, if I'm running a business, I'm, I'm, I'm able to tell this is the match I'm putting in and this is the match that is coming out. And therefore I'm on the right path to growing this business sustainably and because I am not an accountant, I cannot manage the books of accounts, then I will sit down and say, I need to get the right person with the right skills to do for me, you know, all those, the the financial mathematics that you and I, maybe we are not good in them. But when it comes to your table, you should be able to interpret what that person has produced from the system. Yeah. So for me, I say, once you map up, how your business ecosystem is, then you are able to identify, not just any partner or any network, but you'll be able to identify strategic partners who will add value to your business. And that's how you are going to grow and and, and remain sustainable in the business. And not only that, that's the only way you're going to make some profit from that enterprise that you are running. Yeah, so for me, that is how I would define, how do you get the right people, the right team in place to successfully run your enterprise. You really must do the mapping of the ecosystem. You need to know who are these strategic people that must be on the table or must be in my, in my circle if I can run the business.
0: Do you have any advice on how to pick team members? Are you picking people that are like you? Are you picking people that are opposite? Are you looking for complementarity of skills? Like what advice would you give um, to young entrepreneurs who are trying to figure out how do I find the right people?
1: Yeah. For me, um, what what I'll go for is are you adding value? Are you adding value? And I'm not talking about financial value. It could just be by virtue of you giving me information on how my customers are behaving in the market where I'm targeting to sell my products. You are adding value to me because on a daily basis or on on a weekly basis, I'm able to get an update and feedback of what is happening in that market. You are adding value to my business. To me, you are a strategic partner. It could be that person who is reliable in terms of providing logistics for this particular business so for me the word here is are you adding value to the business because again you just don't want to tag along a crowd that is not helping you to to becoming better and bigger so you are looking for those people who are adding value to your business that is how I will sum it up
0: Violet, thank you. Yes. Thank you so much for all of your great advice that you've given and the value of what you brought to today's conversation. And I knew you'd be great when I heard you on that webinar, just breaking it down and just bringing the truth, nothing but the truth, <laughs> but the whole truth. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I, I need to have a conversation with Violet on the podcast so that more people can hear her perspectives on things. So thank you for joining me today. Very happy to have you as a guest. So we're going to close out today's show by thanking our listeners for joining us. We hope that you got what you expected when you tuned into this episode. If not, let us know what you want us to cover by completing a short survey in our show notes. So make sure you check out the show notes. If you would like to be a guest or a sponsor, for the podcast, please contact us at where's the funding at gmail.com. You can find us on Anchor, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also follow us on social media. On Instagram, it's Where's the Funding Podcast. And for the Where's the Funding Africa Edition podcast, you can follow our Facebook page. Also, make sure that you subscribe, stream. Download, rate, review, and share your favorite episodes with your family, friends, and colleagues so that more people can enjoy the benefit and the value of the conversations that we have on this show. And also follow your hosts, Michelle McKenzie and Lydia Nylander on LinkedIn. Thank you so much for joining us. See you for the next episode.